Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast here at The Athletic. I am Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. Scott, how you doing? Good, Mark. How are you? How are you? God, I can't talk. <laughs> aren't, aren't you proud that I remembered to introduce you this time? Because I think the last I time did. I started. I, uh, I, like, I have to adjust the game times again. I was up until one last night. I haven't been up to one since uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, I, I got to better. I, I wrote my. I started writing my column in the second period because you could kind of see where the game was going. It was kind of like back <laughs> in my newspaper days where you 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 miss most of the third period because you're writing. So I, I got to better on eleven eleven thirty. That's really late for me these days. Like I am. I got six and a half hours of sleep instead of like my usual seven and a half or eight, and I'm all messed up today. Like I've gotten oh, so soft. I used to be able to, you know, cover a game at night, get into the hotel at like twelve thirty in the morning, wake up at three forty five to hop an Uber to the airport for a six a.m. flight and just power through the day. Now I'm like, oh, I got six and a half hours of sleep. I'm exhausted. It's pathetic. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I, I got you know, I got done with the game, and then I, I wanted to cut some more video and some clips, and then I was just, yeah, I, one thing led to another, and then. Um, and then, yeah, I still got up at 
whatever, 6.30, whatever. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I need a nap at some point this afternoon. And um, that'd be an adjustment. But I uh, it was good to cover a game again, even though it was, of course, strange covering it on the, yeah, let's, covering let's, it at home. Let's, let's, talk a little, let's talk a little bit about what it's like covering a game from the couch because it, it kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's nobody shedding a tear for us, nor should they. We're very lucky to be doing what we're doing. Uh, but it's just the, 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 the kind of the magic of this job. It's it's kind of lost when you're sitting on your couch just watching the yeah. broadcast. You feel disconnected, right? Yeah. Like you just it's, you're, you're not there. You it. feel like you're bringing something unique, and and certainly you know, like we're trying to bring analysis and you know our insight and context uh, that we bring to it. But um, yeah, I, I, I sit in my 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 home office. I have two computers going, and uh, yeah, just trying to. I, I also. I find it easier when I'm at a game that I can. I don't. I don't tweet during the games anymore. I just because I'm trying to cut clips and do other things. But I, I, your mind works a lot faster than mine. That you can do multiple things. But I, I I've been just staying off of Twitter too. Like I just. I, I find that I at home I can't. We can do, do all that. that <laughs> <laughs> See, it, it's hard for me. I, I get. I get much more distracted at home. You know, yeah. I'm watching the game. I'm sitting there on my recliner. I'm very comfortable. It's better on my back than it is being in a press box, hunching over, yeah. looking down. But, you know, the kid walks in at like 8.30. Daddy, I want a good night hug. And then at like 9.30, there's like four minutes left in the game. And I'm cranking out of my column. And my older daughter comes down. It's like, can you come upstairs? The other kid won't stop talking. And she's keeping me awake at night. And can you just come and sit <laughs> in our room for five minutes? I'm like, I really can't. I'm a terrible father. Look at me. So it's just, I don't know. It, it's the... the you know what I don't like? And this is going to sound weird. I don't like, and I suppose I can just hit mute. I don't like hearing the broadcasters because I don't want that to color my thoughts on the game. Yeah. In some ways, like I know a lot of people, like when they're at a game, they they listen to the radio broadcast on their headphones while they're watching it. I can't do that because it doesn't sync up because of the delays and my brain just starts melting inside my head. I can't process that at the same time. But I also don't like being told what to think. Yeah. And it's hard when, you know, Eddie Olchek, who's a, a friend of mine and a guy whose opinion I really respect, I don't necessarily want to know what he's railing about in the game because it's going to, you know, subconsciously color the way I'm looking at a game. So it's, but then sitting there and watching a game in utter silence with the mute on is even worse. We just so, we need to, we need to hire like a DJ that comes over and plays like Pearl Jam songs <laughs> to you every like five minutes during the breaks or something. And all that uh, early 2000s emo stuff the United Center is yeah. playing now. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's harder. Like, I don't know there's something about like, I mean, the view of TV is certainly better than the view we have from the rafters at most of these arenas. But I like yeah. that. I like being able to look at what I want to look at, not what the camera wants me to look at. I like feeling the atmosphere of the game. You feel the tension, the ebbs and flows more when you're there. It's just, I, I love watching hockey on television. I do it a lot when I'm not working, but I don't like doing it for work. It's just, it's not the same in any way. Right. Well, 55 more games. so you can... <laughs> Well, we'll be at 28 of them. Well, we will be at yeah. the home games. It, it, it's definitely different being at them too. Like I just, uh, we, we have a different viewpoint now and just wearing the mask for that. I'm not used to wearing the mask for like multiple hours, you know, like it's been usually like you go outside and you go to the store and right. you have your mask on and then you come home and now when you're at the rink for four or five hours, like it's just, yeah, I... I, I obviously, I mean, this is something everyone's going through, and but I, but I, I yeah, I, for the people that do it every day, and people have to go to work, and have had to go to work for for how many months? I, I certainly, uh, yeah, it's just, a, I guess, a little bit more respect for how what they've had to go through. I will say the Zoom calls aren't quite as bad as I thought they'd be. I mean, they're basically the same as they are when you're in a scrum. You know, we've kind of tweaked the process. We can ask follow up questions, and you know, the guys all, you know, there there's only a handful of us that are in on every one of those calls. The guys know us by now, but. You, obviously, you can't break away from one-on-ones, and that's a big bummer. You can't circle back for a quick follow-up question with, after a scrum's over. But um, the players, to their credit, they're, they're, they're handling the Zooms just as they would handle a scrum yeah. in person. It's not that bad. I mean, 
you know, this none, none of us wants to do it this way. The players don't want to do it this way. Uh, but we're all trying to make the best of it, and I think it's going to be an interesting process. I'll look forward to the home games a lot more than the road games, though, which is yeah. the complete opposite of how it used to be. I used to hate home games because, you know, I'd leave the house at like 7.30 in the morning and get home at midnight. Now I'm home regardless, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the game. Oh, yeah. Um, the result was probably what we what we sort of expected. Yeah. Um, the, the opening 10 minutes and, and you know, like, I'm, I'm sure people are like, oh, you know, they got blown out. But the first 10 minutes were, were decent for the Blackhawks. Like, I think if, you know, Walmart had a chance and Shaw had a chance and, like, they were, if they scored there, I don't know if the game's different, but I think how the Blackhawks feel about this game's different. You know, like, yeah. the, the, the it, it's a team that really, if it has a chance, it needs to score because I don't, I don't think the chances are going to be there. And I think more often than not, you're going to see, you know, obviously Tampa plays at a different level and, um, it's interesting that I, I I signed up for that Sports Logic this year. I'm, I'm paying for the subscription for the year and getting some of the uh, the more uh, fancy stats. And, and it was like the um, one of the numbers was uh, passes in the slot. And uh, Tampa had uh, let me see what it was. It was like like 30 passes in the slot, and the Blackhawks had the eight. So you're like like where all the dangerous chances are coming. Like the game was lopsided in a lot of ways, but I, I felt like the Blackhawks and it's it's ultimately it's going to be about like drawing. You know what positives can they take from a rough season, and and um, and so like there's there's Mitchell and there's Pia Suter, and, and some of those things are positive, but I, I think there was an opportunity for the Blackhawks to feel a little bit better about that game, and it it got away from them quickly, and that's and that's going to happen at times this year. Well, well, that's that's the whole thing, right? For the last few years, the Blackhawks have been a bad defensive team, but they've been a competitive team. They've been you know on the periphery of that playoff picture because they've had so many elite finishers, right? Like they would, like a guy like Patrick Kane, he can get swamped in possession and still outscore the other team because he's just going to score on more of his chances than the other, than most people are. This year's Blackhawks just don't have the finishers. When Lucas Walmark's in your top six, when you're relying on Andrew Shaw and Pia Suter and these big roles when we don't really know what they have to offer this season, they just don't have the finishers. So like, like you said, the Black, and, and Colleton said the same thing in his postgame uh, uh, Zoom you know, they had some chances. They didn't bury their chances. The other guys did. And Tampa Bay has a ton of elite finishers. When you give them chances, they're going to score on some of them. The Blackhawks right now, they have one line that theoretically should be able to score on one of on, on, on their chances. And they were disinterested last night. I did not like what I saw from the Debrinket strome Kane line for the most part. That was not a good first outing for them. And I wrote this in the observation. I felt like they were underwhelming in training camp where when we went to the return to play training camp, like you, you saw that the Nylander Strom Kane line, like it was noticeable. Like it was Doc. It was, like, it was Doc. Oh, was it Doc? It was Nylander Doc Kane, wasn't it? Pretty sure it was. Was it? Um, I don't know. That was like 142 years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Either way, but you're right. Like they were flying. Yeah, they yeah. were buzzing. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was a line that you. That you knew that, like, well, yeah, we certainly got taught a lesson, maybe not to take all of our <laughs> observations from scrimmages and preseason or training camp sort of thing, but it's it like it was noticeable, and and I think you expected that the Brinkett Strom Kane line to be that in the in this training camp, and and they weren't like it was it was the camp line, and that's right. probably good and bad, right? And like, that carried through to the, to the scrimmage, and then again, they were the best line last night too. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's good, but it's it's not, it's not good for a team. It's not a way it's, recipe. It's, they're a good line that's playing well, but it's not good if your fourth line is your best line ever. Yeah. So and, and Carlton, you know, to his credit, he he acknowledged that that line. You know, he he said we sort of need to think about what we're doing there. Like it's I I don't think he's gonna 
move lines just yet or you know switch them up looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But um, he has other options. I mean, putting Kane and Kubalik together, I, I think, could yeah. make sense. I don't, like, I don't like Kane and, and Dabrinkit together. It just... Something about it doesn't seem to work, and I think Kubalik would 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 benefit, and Kane would benefit from being on a line together. What's really interesting is when I did that Debrinket analysis after this past season was was looking at you know I, um, I, I had talked to someone, someone's like you know you should look at how many times he scores off the pass because you know he's a guy who moves and he's often just and so I, I looked at basically one timers or you know just opportunities quickly off a pass and you know like with, with Strom and and Cahoon were two guys that like he scored a lot of his goals, but. He he didn't get a lot of goals off of Kane passes. Like it was strange. Like I, um, it was just the numbers didn't add up on the power play. They they work together well sometimes, but in five on five, it just wasn't it wasn't happening. So, um, and and you know like Kubalik and Taves and Kane worked last year, and certainly the Taves element isn't there. But and I also think Soderberg could maybe you know he brings offense and other elements. So this this team will change a little bit. I, I see him kind of playing that Anisimov role with Kane, where he can kind of play. Smart, responsible hockey. Let the you know it's it's difficult to play center for Patrick Kane because you have to give up the puck. Normally, as the center, you're the puck carrier a lot of the time. But Patrick Kane controls the puck at all times. He's yeah. the center, even though he's on the wing. Uh, I think Soderberg, based on his game, his style, his his role here, he could kind of be that Anisimov, where he can kind of like you know defer to Kane in a lot of ways, but do some of the dirty things and difficult things that allow Kane to be Kane. And you put Kubalik on that other side. That could be a good line. That way, to bring it and Strom can stay together. You put him with a guy like Shaw. They were playing early last season together. They had some chemistry. Yeah. They liked playing together. Shaw brings a little bit of a, of, of a toughness element to a line that needs it. And then your top six has a little bit more balance that way. I think. And, and I think Kershev's also a guy that maybe he he like yeah. you look at someone who distributes and like I, I think you're going to see some different looks. But yeah, I, I think keeping the Brinkett and Strom makes almost sense. And then and maybe you balance the lineup a little bit more too, where. He was throwing that Strom line out there a lot last night, and and it had a couple chances, but it wasn't you know for the amount of ice time it had, it wasn't creating as much. So maybe allows you to even out the lines because last night Kubalik didn't get a whole lot of ice time, um, and it's also I, I know that they want a balanced power play the, those two units, but that first unit's always going to get more time. So and as of now, I I sort of think that. Uh, that that second unit's actually looked looked better than the first one, which is discouraging. Um, your 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 unit with Lucas Walmark on it should not look better than your unit with Patrick Kane on it. I mean, that's they, they got to light a fire under those top guys because that's they're going to have to be carried by those top guys. And I, I still think it's it's some of it's just Boquist figuring it out. Like it's like you see, like obviously Hedman's an elite, you know, elite quarterback. Eric Gustafson yesterday in Philadelphia just in, immediately turning that into the best power play in the world. 
<laughs> telling you uh, but 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 i think what it's just getting that point getting that shot through sometimes yeah. like you just need to be shooting and and aggressive from that point and i think Boquist loves to defer sometimes um and, and tim probably being more aggressive and and i think those guys often a lot of them defer to kane and and, and that's and it's good in some ways but also like it's um yeah like the, i think they need to have more of an even role where it's uh you know being aggressive too and because uh, the more that you're just creating chaos, I mean, you saw that with Tampa, you create a little chaos in the power play and things happen in front of the net and and you'll score goals, you know? I mean, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm at the point with this team where, like, I'm going to throw out the games against Tampa, especially this early in the season. I mean, this is a brutal way to start with two games at Tampa. Uh, I think we'll get a better sense of just where this team's at with the two f- games against Florida that, that, that follow, I think, Sunday, Tuesday, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Flor- Florida's a pretty good team. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's complete uh, fall off of a cliff last year kind of doomed them, but that's a that's a good team. That's Joel Quenville coach team, and they got a lot of talent. Um, I, I'm, I'm Estroza. Is he in Florida now? Yeah, I don't think I even knew that. Man, Joel loves his guys. When he loves a guy, he loves his guys. Declare Gustav uh, Forsling. Gustav Forsling too. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it's it'll be interesting because I think that's it, it's, it's 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 mean to say this. It, it's not a fair matchup. The Blackhawks right now, as currently constituted, with the people they're missing, with the goalies they have against Tampa, it's it's unfair. I mean, it's it's the it's the New York Jets against the Kansas City Chiefs. Like you just you can't go in and you can't draw in almost any conclusions from that matchup because it's just you have to grade it on a curve, especially when it's your first two games of the season with no preseason games after a nine day training camp coming off a pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances here, and I'm not here to make excuses for the Blackhawks. But I just don't think we could put a whole lot of stock into these first two games until yeah. we start seeing them against, you know, mortal teams. And it, it doesn't feel like fair to evaluate even someone like Sue Bandler. Um, th- th- obviously, there's some positives last night, but there's negatives too. I mean, also when you give up five goals, it is what it is. But... It was the Sue Bandler. I mean, that's what everybody said when when the, when the Hawks acquired him. He will make some amazing saves that are like, oh my god, this guy's great, and then he won't control a simple rebound and it'll end up in the back of the net. That's what happened on that second goal. Uh, a few of those were not his fault, but that's that's why Malcolm Subban has not been able to stay in the NHL because he can't. Yeah. He's not consistently making the simple saves. He makes the spectacular ones. You know, it's kind of the opposite of Corey Crawford, where Corey Crawford barely ever missed an easy one. You know, yeah, that, he was reliable, and that's how you get to a nine ten or higher save percentage. Subban's got to get those rebounds under control, and he certainly has the ability. Uh, he's just you know. Do your work, Jimmy Wade. Yeah, they they need to give these guys you know five game stretches or something. You know, right. gives, especially about the preseason, it's it certainly affected them not having that that rhythm. And these are, these are the guys that needed to where they don't have a lot of NHL experience. I mean, Subban played um, uh, like five minutes from backing up Crow uh, Crawford that one time, and then he um, it was uh, I think he got part of that St. Louis exhibition game too when uh, when they returned to play. But I mean, he's not a guy who's played a, a real NHL game. Um, you know, this is dating back to February, Vegas. February, probably, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, he came in for, you know, they they, they rode Crawford when, when, when he came in. And, and I don't I don't know if the plan was to keep Subban or not when they traded for him. Like, it was, um, but it, it's, like, all of a sudden, it's like, well, let's try all these guys out when they decide to move away from Crawford. And I, 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 I want to see what Colin Delia has to offer here. This is a guy yeah. who, you know, two years ago thought he was going to be a permanent fixture in the NHL. He, he played a bunch of, he played like 18 games, something like that, played, Pretty well, had some really big moments, you know, uh, some big games, and was all set to go into the season as the backup to Corey Crawford and to basically be the heir apparent. And then at the last minute, the Blackhawks signed Robin Leonard, and all of a sudden, he's nowhere again. 
and then they go into this the uh, the they trade Leonard, but they get a goalie in return, and then that goalie kind of takes that backup spot in the playoffs. That goalie Subban he gets the first start in the season. Dealey is going to have a lot of motivation. I'm assuming he's going to be uh, in net Friday against Tampa. A lot of motivation, but there's a lot of pressure on him too. You know, these three goalies, Lankin is going to be in this rotation too. I'm pretty sure they got, I mean, you know, the, the scouts we talked to universally, I think he's the one that they think has the highest ceiling, the most potential. But, you know, if, if all three of them are playing, they're not going to get a ton of games. Like you said, these goalies need to play five or six games in a row, and that's not going to happen. It's just, unless one of them just goes off, it's not going to happen. So yeah. every time they're out there, they have to make a statement. They have to, you know, insist and demand they stay in the net. Uh, it's a lot of pressure on a relatively unproven young goalie, all three of these guys, every time they're on the ice that they can't fuck up or they're, you know, going to fall into the back of the line. I'm working on a story tomorrow where I talked to I talked to Jimmy Wade about what it's like working with the three guys. And then, um, like, I had him break down each guy a little bit. Then I talked to those three guys what it's like working with Jimmy. So it's a little bit of a different story. But I... I, I, I can't. Jimmy kept on saying crow, and so when I when it like when I I just hear in my head like I, I heard right you say crow. The, I was gonna let it right, slide. Right, 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 right before the podcast, like that's all I heard in my ear. So like it's just any time a writer uses one of the players' nicknames, Scott and I usually text or slack each other. Yeah, and then, uh, then when I do it myself, it. I just and here he is like, saying crow. Like I, I, every I every time every time offer? a TV person says Caner, I die inside. I just die inside. <laughs> Uh, you shouldn't be in like a market like Boston or something like that's where all they use. <laughs> oh God! Every time a twi- <laughs> I won't name names, but there are some writers out there who who use nicknames all the time in their tweets. And I have a I have a Twitter DM thread with a few other writers that I know that we're just laughing at them constantly because it's just it's so <laughs> gross. It's just it's oh God! I can't can't imagine. I can't imagine saying the word Seebs unironically. <laughs> uh, speaking of Seabrook. Yes. Um, hey, good transition. So, so they uh, announced today that he's he's dealing with a, a back injury, and he put him on IR. So they and, and Stan Bowman said this the other day they expect him to be on the ice again. Um, not that anyone's. I don't think the Blackhawks are rooting against Brent Seabrook, but I, I think him being away right now probably helps them in some ways to kind of allow the younger defenseman time. And it does. I think it's going to complicate the picture when when he re, when he returns and and, Col- and Jeremy Carlton was honest with us too when when we did the Q&A with him after his extension that um th- there are probably some difficult conversations ahead for him in Seabrook and um but uh, yeah I'm, I'm curious what he looks like too I mean coming back from another um he was obviously I'm sure hoping that the, his health issues were behind him and for this to kind of pop up before the season kind of been uh yeah, it had to be a tough news on him. Yeah, shout out to our friend Jay Zawoski. He had the back news first uh, uh, earlier in the day yesterday. Um, and it, it, it you feel for a guy like Seabrook. I mean, regardless of how you feel about his role on the team, this is a guy who's put himself through hell in the last 13 months to get himself in a position to prove that he's not washed. And then literally the first time he steps on the ice for training camp, his lower back goes out. Uh, that sucks. I mean, any way you look at it, that sucks. And, you know... It it, it it sounds like it's not a huge thing. If it was a big deal, if it required surgery or something, it would be a different story. Uh, when he's going to, you know, Connor Murphy did that a couple of years ago. He missed, he didn't come into the season until like mid-November because he had a back injury that he suffered very early in training camp. Back, issue, back issues, as as I can attest, and I'm no world-class athlete, but they, they, lay, they lay you low for a while. They're hard to overcome. 
And, you know, Seabrook's coming off all these major surgeries, so he's probably compensating his body in different ways and using his body in different ways, and that's going to throw off other parts of your body. When you get into your mid-30s, your body starts betraying you. And uh, these are things that are going to pop up for Seabrook. Um, it, I, I, I don't know how to... It, I want to see Brent Seabrook on the ice this year. I want to see mm-hmm. what he has. I think he deserves that chance. Um, I think it's a good story. He's a guy that you know, you know, the fans have turned on in some ways, the, the, the less rational ones. But there's value in seeing one of the most beloved players in your franchise's history, who's played in some of the biggest games ever and come up big in those big games, back on the ice at a hundred percent. You know, trying to you know, stave off Father Time. That's a great story. That's something I think I would want to see. Whether he should be in the lineup every day or not, we can argue that, and we have argued that for years. I think we both see him as a rotational guy, a number seven, uh, who spot starts, gives guys rest when a rookie has a tough game. We know that Jeremy Carlton likes taking them out, giving them some perspective, making them watch from the press box, you know, work with them a little bit, and then bring them back in the lineup. That's a role Brent Sieber can do. He could be a guy who just fills in from time to time, gives guys nights off. Um, that's probably the maximum his role should be. But I want to see him get to that point. I want to see what he has. I want to see if there's a little bit of 2010 Brent Seabrook left. Uh, I know he thinks there is, and he deserves the chance to show that. And it's just kind of a a bummer that, you know, right off the bat, after all this work to get back to where he wanted to be, he's got another issue pop up. But that's, you know, that's life in your mid-30s. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And with, with them putting Taves on the LTIR, it also it, it speaks to that they don't expect him back tomorrow. You know, I mean, this is well. Even if they least... figured it out tomorrow, I mean, it, just getting him to conditioning speed and game speed and working out. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, but I guess it just it, it, for any you know, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they can, and they questioned whether he'd gone LTIR, and I'm like, well, I I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I don't think this is something they expect him back anytime soon. And, you know, hopefully they find answers sooner than later, but it's not in a situation where they, I don't think they're expecting him back on the ice. Uh, obviously within the next month, probably at least. No, well, it's 24 days now. And uh, there's, there's little reason to think, I mean, from everything I've heard and everyone I've talked to, they still don't really have a, they don't really have it pinned down what's happening right now. Um, and until you have actual concrete answers, it's hard to come up with any kind of concrete timeline. Um, it's weird. It, it's, it's, I mean, we're not in the room, so it's not that glaring, but you notice his absence. Like, there's just something weird about not hearing from him every other day, uh, not having his voice out there. You know, Connor Murphy's wearing an A yesterday, and, you know, it, it's 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 strange without Taves. He's he's just, he's such a fixture on the ice at the top line, you know, right, right in the middle of that top line every single game, taking that first face off, every penalty kill, every power play. Um his absence is just felt on like every level of that team. The way their their mentality, their on ice ability, their off ice demeanor. I mean, it all stemmed from Taves. Um, and uh, it's weird. It's unfortunate how this has gone down. It's scary. I mean, when anytime a thirty two year old athlete in the prime of his life all of a sudden, you know, doesn't feel right, you know, your your mind reels of what it could be. Um, but you know, everyone's just hoping that they figure it out, that it's nothing sinister, and that he can come back soon. You're so used to just him being the voice, you know. Yeah. Like it's 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 a tough loss. Like he he would have probably talked last night. Like it would 
<clears throat> he's the one that brings reason to something or brings emotion to it. That, like that's like his number one job is, is 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 answering for his teammates after they shit the bed in the game. I just I remember they had you know remember that they had two eight game losing streaks in that same year, and uh, and just you're you're on the road and there's like two of us traveling and you walk into that visitors locker room and there's not a single soul in there except Jonathan Taves sitting at his locker stall just waiting for us. He knows we're coming, stands up, sighs heavily, starts pacing in place like he does, like a cage tiger and trying to trying to explain what's happening. It's always fallen on Taves. He's always been the guy to answer after losses. Nobody asks for him after wins. They only ask for him after losses. Um, we would hear from him a lot this year, let's say. And yeah. it's 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 going to be interesting to see who who becomes those that, that voice. I mean, Patrick Kane uh, has become, you know, probably the most uh, – available player over the last couple of years he because he's always available after morning skates things like that in the old days uh connor murphy i think we should just nominate pia Suter to be the guy pia Suter, he, absolutely he needs to, he needs the it, it, it's it's dylan stroman it's connor murphy they're becoming yeah. the voices of this team they're they're both really good talkers uh mm-hmm. they both seem to enjoy or at least don't dread talking to reporters but it, it seems like with taves and seabrook out the voices of this team are, are Connor Murphy and Dylan Strom. Imagine that a couple of years ago. I thought, uh, and I thought your column was, you know, it's it's spot on. Like you, you need to, it's watching this team. You got to take it differently if you're a fan. Like you need to, you got to be looking for other areas. Like you have to look. Ian Mitchell held his own in his first pro game, and Pia yeah. Suter, uh, he had a breakaway. He had some things that you know, like it's how's the door off a of death. You know, the fact that Shaw looked like Shaw last night, like it's, he played it's, well. Shaw looked good out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just I, the expectations have to be set at a pretty low bar. This y- yeah, you have to you have to take solace in the small things. You have to just like you know what? There's a glimpse there. Like I like what I saw out of Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell had a couple of times last night where he was in no man's land. Like absolutely blew his coverage. But yeah. you know, he's his first game ever against the defending Stanley Cup champions. He looked pretty solid. I mean, he's a great skater. He moves the puck well. He's gonna be fine. You have to think in the big picture here, or you're just going to drive yourself mad. Because the small picture, the the the, the now of this season, you know, I think we're both in agreement. It's not going to be pretty, but that doesn't mean that this season has to be pointless. I mean, there's there is a world, there is an alternate timeline where three or four years from now, man, that 2021 season, that weird shortened COVID season, that was huge for this team. You know, with Kirby Doc out. You know, so-and-so got to step into a major role and become a really big player. And, you know, with uh, Brent Seabrook unable to play, you know, Ian Mitchell really, you know, stepped into, came into his own. And, and, and Nikita Zadorov, you know, stepped into a larger role than he ever had in Colorado and yada, yada, yada. Like, there's a world where that is all true. This could end up being a complete waste of time, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, it, it's a top five draft pick would help this team immensely right. to get where they need to be right. sooner than later. When Owen Power wins the Norris in 2025 for the Blackhawks, you could point to everyone being bad in 2021 <laughs> as a good thing. Everyone talks about, like, I, I always bring this up, but I, I just remember, uh, is it's always stuck in my mind, is Mike Babcock, now NBC Sports is Mike Babcock, yay. Um, that 2013 series, it, people took this the wrong way when he said it because it sounded like a dickish comment, but he said the Blackhawks lost the right way. They made the most of losing. They yeah. got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves in back-to-back drafts because they were fucking awful, yeah. just awful. I think the way he put it was like they they, they lost long enough or something like that. Yeah, like they, he basically said that the losing was good. It worked for yeah. them, yeah. and 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 the that's right what, amount of time. This is a cyclical thing. You can't stay on top forever in a salary cap world. So right now, that's it's two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six again. You know, and 
you can only hope that two or three years from now, Kirby Doc and whoever they draft this year and Lucas Reichel are going to be, you know, supplementing an old, wise, gray-haired Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And, you know, Dylan Strom and Alex Dabrinkat will be in 27 years old, prime of their careers. I mean, you can only, you, you have to cling to that. You have to believe in that. Because otherwise, you're just going to just be miserable screaming at the TV all the time. And hey, scream at the TV. When the Blackhawks are playing bad, that, that's that's what sports are for, is for yelling and screaming and getting your hate out in healthy ways instead of storming the Capitol building. So take advantage of that. Yell and scream, but have some have a 30,000-foot uh, view of this too. You have to look at the big picture or you're going to be miserable all year. And I'd rather have bad hockey than no hockey. It was just nice to watch. I watched three hockey games last night. It was fucking great. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely welcomed. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start doing this again on a weekly basis. We'll obviously have a lot of games to be talking about. Yeah. They're going to come pretty quickly here. Um, and you and I will see each other at the United Center again. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. And we actually sit next to each other at United Center, which we, we never... plexiglass thing between us in like 20 feet of space. <laughs> we can't even hear each other, though. I could barely hear after eight, you know, eight years of, of being in hockey arenas, and you're talking quietly through a mask. I'm just, what? What? <laughs> I'm like my old grandpa. What? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we did a live chat yesterday, and we have some more ideas about how to uh, hopefully incorporate more, uh, yeah, just interaction with fans and readers this year. And We're going to keep it fun this year. Yeah, it'll be a, it could be a different season. So, uh, for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me?